for so many you know, doctors and surgeons to deny people something that they want based on a very unlikely scenario that someone will change their mind is baffling. And I think it's honestly just an excuse for yeah. these people to carry out this like normative yeah. bias they have mm-hmm. about like if you the yeah, again, like just the assumption of like if you have a uterus it needs to be stuffed to the brim with babies and (laughs) explode them out of your body and take care of them for the rest of your life. So I just really resent that. Mm -hmm. Hey lovelies, welcome to We Are Child Free, the podcast that celebrates child-free lives one story at a time. Welcome back to season two. I am so excited to have you here. We have some amazing guests and amazing stories to share with you. The first guest is, she's an idol. I'm just going to say that to me and to James. And I am just so excited to share our conversation. Her name is Caitlin Durante and she is an LA comedian who I have followed for years because of her incredible podcast, The Bechdel Cast, which it takes a look at movies through an intersectional feminist lens. And I promise when you listen to her podcast, you won't be able to watch films without analyzing it and really dissecting it and just shaking your head in despair (laughs) but it's really entertaining so please go and listen to that i also want to share some really exciting news We Are Child Free is about to relaunch. We're going to have a new website that will share hundreds more child-free stories with you. It's also going to have some really cool child-free merch. We're also going to be doing online events and the piece de resistance, an online community where you can all connect with each other around the world and support each other. And I promise you, This is going to be the most supportive child-free space on the internet. And you've been asking for it for over a year. So we have nearly bloody done it. If you want to be first to know when We Are Child Free relaunches, head over to wearechildfree.com. Okay, back to the episode. Caitlin jumped to the top of our list of dream guests when she tweeted out a hilarious thread about her tubal ligation and the experience that she had. It was full of all of the bullshit comments that she'd received from doctors, nurses, and even random dudes. This is a decision that is nobody else's business but her own. But that doesn't seem to matter, does it? I spoke to Caitlin a year after her surgery, and she said she was really looking forward to a raw dog summer. And you're going to have to listen to find out more about that. Also, a quick note on language. I heard from the community that the term sterilization is problematic because of its association with forced sterilization of marginalized communities. So I didn't get the memo before this podcast and I'm learning and I want to do better. So I'm going to be trying to use the words permanent birth control instead. Um, But thank you so much for the feedback. I, I really appreciate it and keep it coming. Okay, so let's get into the convo about feminism, film, and fucking with Caitlin Durante. I honestly don't know if it was ever a conscious decision on my part. It was just something that I inherently knew about myself from, I guess, the time I was born. I was born this way. No, I just, I knew from age, probably like, eight that I didn't want to have children and I started telling people that like that young and of course no one takes children seriously and uh, of course also like children change their mind about a lot of stuff so like I understood for a while why people would be like no 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 you'll change your mind you don't know anything you're a kid which I did also just feel insulted by that then too (laughs) but there were also things about my childhood that I was like yeah I definitely changed my mind about so I get like (laughs) that but I don't know I just always knew that about myself and then when I got into my like 20s and Well into my 30s, people were still like, no, 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 you'll change your mind. And I was like, Mm. I've had this thing about me for decades now. I don't really think 
I'm going to be changing my mind about it. So yeah, it was just like something that has been with me for forever, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I hear this so much in, in the community that I'm trying to cultivate. This is the majority of the people I speak to. They have always known. And it's, it seems to blow people's minds that we could know this from a very young age. But I mean, I, I was exactly like you. I, I didn't ever think about children until someone would ask the questions to me. And then I'm just like, no, no, that's not, it's never even it been in my vision of what my life would look like. And same for you, I'm guessing. Totally. To the point where, I mean, we live in a society, right? Our <sighs> patriarchal society conditions girls and women and anyone with a uterus to just like assume basically you're going to want kids. There's that assumption. Mm -hmm. There's that just mm -hmm. conditioning to be like, hey, you, let's get you with these mummy skills early. So <laughs> I would be given baby dolls as a gift from like whatever family members or at, you know, birthday parties and stuff. And I'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't want this. Because there'd be all these little accessories or you'd have to like change its diaper or like feed it a bottle. I remember I had this one baby that would crawl around and then also cry. Oh. And it was just this shrill, awful oh, thing. And you had to like do stuff to make it stop crying or something. I don't even know. And I would, I like, I hated it. I was just like, get this mm. cacophony out of my ears. I would throw it over a balcony sometimes. I destroyed the, this. I'm not, I wouldn't do that to a baby. Obviously. <laughs> oh, no, just so everyone knows, Caitlin's not ever going to do that. I'm not a that. baby murderer. <laughs> but any baby doll I had, I was like, yeah. what do you want me to do with this? But I would see other, you know, children my age, like coddling a baby doll and like, Doing what you're supposed yeah. to do with it, like being nurturing. And I just like didn't have that part of me and no part of me was like, yeah, I want to take care of a baby. I was just like, mm -hmm. where are my Ninja Turtle toys? Where are my Legos? Yes. Where are my Lincoln Logs? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I wanted to play with. And it, it just, it's, it continues to be fascinating to me. And I think this is changing, but just how so many toys directed at young girls are conditioning them to be mm -hmm. carers of a household slash mothers. And of course there's, nothing wrong with that if kids want to play with those toys and people want to that for that to be their lives and their futures but it, there were like so few other options for like play things specifically directed at young girls so fascinating frustrating etc oh god it, it is i mean it's really just a, i think it's just a weird thing that we would give children we would give young girls a baby to look after it just to me it's like why is that considered a toy for a child? I also don't really understand. I was a total tomboy as well. So I would be asking for the He-Man and the She-Ra and the, um, and if I did have Barbies, I would be cutting the hair and destroying them kind of. <laughs> but yeah, it is. I don't know if you um, have seen that. There's a, a Twitter account, which this woman, she documents the clothing that we give to children, which basically ha has these, you know, gender roles that it's ingrained. It's like telling women, that they are, like you said, carers, that mm -hmm. they are subservient, basically. And for men, they're brave, strong, courageous. And it's really creepy when you actually, it's like you step out of the matrix and you start looking at how we are <laughs> raised and you think, mm -hmm. well, no wonder there's, there's many people who grow up not really knowing what they want because, you know, we are conditioned in these ways. And like you said, I think it's right. getting better. And once people start to recognize these things that are happening in society, they can kind of take steps to help it. But it's still really creepy in 2022 that we still are doing these things, right? Yeah, I remember just like being a kid in like a whatever, a Target or Walmart or a store like that. And they're like the girl toy aisle and the boy toy yeah. aisle because there's also of course the assumption that there are only two genders right that, like <laughs> girls want pink toys and and there's just being an aisle of pink and uh -huh. then the boy toy aisle would be like lots of like blues and blacks and greens and like yeah. i don't know what but i'm just like 
And yeah. I would just like pass over the pink aisle and be like, I don't care about this. <laughs> and then just. Nope. <laughs> oh, what yeah. a world. I hope we can smash the patriarchy, basically. That's <laughs> ultimately what we got to do. Just, just a little simple thing like that. But yeah, yeah, I guess the first step is if we share our stories and experiences, then it's amazing how once you once you see another person doing something it really it shows you there's another path perhaps and for people right. who want children that's if they really want it that's great i want people to be happy in their lives but for people like you and i who we just think in a different way perhaps maybe it's biological maybe we are just grow, born a different way predisposed to not yeah. want to yeah <laughs> use our uterus <laughs> pretty much pretty much and and i'm totally down for that i'm really happy but obviously mm-hmm. what we both experienced is society is not happy about that and i mean i would love you to to explain i mean you wrote this amazing twitter thread because you've been sterilized and happy sterilization day but it's a belated one Thank right you. it was yeah <laughs> few weeks ago and you inspired me to start celebrating my sterilization day as well because it's a life-changing day for us it for many of us it gives us a new life you know a life Mm -hmm. where we can take back control perhaps and we make our own decisions so yeah i would love you to well maybe we start at that twitter thread it has some pretty (laughs) crazy things tell me a little bit about that twitter thread (laughs) so I basically just posted a series of conversations I've had over the years with a number of different people. Some of them were people in my family, or not even really, because my mom like accepted this pretty early on about myself. I'm lucky enough to have a mom who wasn't like, you better give me grandchildren or I'll throw myself off a bridge or something like that. (laughs) Also, my mom doesn't sound like that. I don't know why I did that impression. (laughs) Whoopsie, my bad. She was always just like, you know, you might change your mind. And if you do, that's fine. And if you don't, that's also fine. And then, and now, like, obviously, after I've (laughs) had myself sterilized, she's like, yeah, Yep, I know that you won't change your mind. So it wasn't so much family, because I honestly don't talk to most people I'm related to, but it was friends, it was uh, like guys I was dating, it was healthcare professionals, so many people Mm. just told me so many things that were decidedly not true, but they were convinced that they were. So it was things like, I mean, I, I heard this on repeat, anything to the effect of like, you you'll change your mind when you'll get older your mothering instincts will kick in you just need to find the man and Mm. then you'll want to have children with him so it was a lot of stuff like that and i in this twitter thread i would just i never had these like (laughs) these responses in my head locked and loaded at the time but now like (laughs) so in the twitter thread i basically gave these like imaginary responses i wish i had said over the years but like for example when someone was like you just need to find the right man and then you'll want to have children and it's like no the right partner for me also won't want to have children like right what do you think your dick is so magical that like i'll suddenly change my mind about something that i've held firm about myself for decades like no that was part of it and then from like a kind of a medical professional standpoint i had been asking doctors about this for years i would say starting in my mid-20s because I had been on the birth control pill for several years before that, but I didn't like the idea of just like constantly being on hormones because it would like, it would affect my body in certain ways, Mm -hmm. it would affect my mood. And I was like, I just don't want to, there's got to be a better alternative. And since I don't want kids, can't I just get sterilized? So I would say it was starting in my mid-20s that I was asking doctors about this, like, can I get this procedure done? And they would tell me the same things. Mm. You'll change your mind. You just, just wait a little. Or like if they did believe me and like think that I wanted to actually have this procedure done and wasn't going to change my mind, they would still say, well, unfortunately you won't find a surgeon willing to do this until you're a certain age or until you already have kids. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. I'm like, Uh... that can't be true because uh, I did some research about, uh, are there any actual 
roadblocks? Or is there any kind of legal thing mm. to prevent doctors from performing this surgery? And the only parameters in the U.S. from a legal standpoint is that a person has to be 18 years or older and they have to be, quote, of sound mind, whatever that means. I fit both of those qualifications. Right. And so I just kept being like, okay, well, illegally, if I want this, there's nothing except for your own bias preventing mm-hmm. me from this because there are so many healthcare professionals that harbor these really like old school patriarchal standards. Mm-hmm. It, it was just so baffling to me. I mean, it's the same thing with like pharmacists who won't give out birth control right. because of their religious beliefs or something like that. So I don't understand how that's legal. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember you saying in the episode, so in your sludge podcast, which mm-hmm. documents this bias and broken healthcare system in the US, you spoke to two people, a man and a woman about their sterilization mm-hmm. procedures and I remember you talking about the laws and, and the legality and how, yeah, maybe someone will sue them one day. And and truly, I am thinking, you know, do we have to take that step of actually suing the healthcare people because they are technically they're not carrying out their duty as healthcare professionals if the law states that you can have that operation, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to uh, sue. I don't want to sue anyone. <laughs> right. The fear is that they'll do the procedure and then the the patient will change their mind and right. then they'll be mad at the doctor, which I don't remember <laughs> the exact statistic of cases that where the patient does change their mind, but it's less than 5%. It's a very small yeah. number mm-hmm. and it's small. So for so many doctors and surgeons to deny people something that they want based on a very unlikely scenario that someone will change their mind is baffling. And I think it's honestly just an excuse for these people to carry out this like normative bias they have. Again, like just the assumption of like, if you have a uterus, it needs to be stuffed to the brim with babies (laughs) and (laughs) explode them out of your body and (laughs) take care of them for the rest of your life so yeah I just really resent that Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely the fact that lots of those nurses and doctors they say oh how many children do you have when you were going for that the procedure I remember Mm -hmm. wasn't it the the nurse who was actually carrying out the sterilization procedure actually asked you how many kids you had. <laughs> yes, several different people. Again, I've I've talked to various doctors, various nurses. They'd say, why are you here at this appointment? Oh, I, I'm trying to get sterilized. Oh, how many kids do you have? And I would say, none. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> huh? Mm, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want kids. And they just like couldn't wrap their heads around it and i'm like honestly have you never talked to another person who doesn't want kids is this the first time you're hearing of the concept of a person not wanting children that can't be true their their jaws would just drop and i just blew their minds i guess Um, (laughs) so it was like yeah it was just so unfathomable to so many people that i would want to be sterilized before having any children and Mm -hmm. so The trajectory of the rest of my story was me inquiring about it for a while. I had all these hurdles, all these people saying, you'll never find a surgeon to do it until you're 35 unless you already have kids, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, I'll just wait till I'm 35 then. (laughs) So I then went on a birth control, the one that they like insert in this skin under your arm and it basically just like releases a steady stream of hormones. It lasts for three years. Mm -hmm. I had two of those in, but what I was finding with that is that it completely diminished my sex drive. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I guess it's an effective birth control because I don't want to have sex (laughs) anymore, but that's not what (laughs) I'm taking this for. (laughs) And it it was a gradual thing that my sex drive like, went away slow, like, you know, gradually. But I got to the point where I was like, oh my God, I haven't even thought about sex in like a year. What's happening with me? So I wanted to correct 
that scenario. And that's when Mm -hmm. I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to just storm into doctor's offices and demand that they sterilize Mm -hmm. me because this is not how I want my life to be. So I had the little, whatever it is, taken out of my arm. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, now's the time. Getting sterilized, I don't care what you say about it. And at the time, I happened to be like 34. So I was like, I'm at the age, you just need to do this. (laughs) And I luckily had, I found a gynecologist who's also a surgeon. And Mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do it for you. And also, you didn't have to wait until you were in your mid-30s. And I'm like, well, yeah, I did. Because every other fuckers (laughs) of you that I've talked to... told me that like he and I was annoyed that I was grateful that he was willing to do the procedure but I was annoyed that he acted like I was Uh the foolish one for being like "Mm, you shouldn't have waited around so long and it's like dude I tried yeah yeah (laughs) it was all your colleagues (laughs) yeah so I, I had the procedure scheduled it went fine it's been slightly over a year now that I had it done but I honestly feel (laughs) grateful isn't the word, but compared to other people's stories in, I think, like less progressive bubbles, perhaps, because I live in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. The procedure was done in here in LA, but I've heard so many people who wanted to be sterilized. And I'm talking about like people with female bodies had to get like a permission slip from their husband, for example, or had to like all this stuff where they had to like prove for some, like, I don't even know how you do that. But the thing that I I heard the most that baffled me the most, or not baffled me, but just like horrified me the most (laughs) was like needing the permission of a husband Mm-hmm. him signing off on it mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah what yeah do you hear yeah. yourself <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you can't really believe that those things happen today and mm-hmm. i had one woman who messaged me saying she didn't have a husband so that meant she had to get her father father's approval or her <sighs> brother if she didn't have a father and i'm just like it's 2022 people and we are still being treated like we don't have control over our bodies and we don't we don't really have bodily true bodily autonomy if we're having to get permission from Mm -hmm. family members fathers and brothers and husbands that is so weird like the father and brother thing like what yeah i I, the logic behind that i don't even understand no no (laughs) (laughs) you're right you can kind of look at your experience which was not an easy one you should be able to go to the first doctor and ask for this and be treated like an adult and not Mm -hmm. be you know spoken down to and you know as if you're you don't know your own mind that's one of the most frustrating parts of it that people just can tell you that you are going to change your mind so your experience it wasn't super easy but yes it wasn't as let's say backwards as some of the other horrendous stories that are out there sadly Yeah. I cringe to think what it would be like if I, for example, stayed in my hometown of like rural Western Pennsylvania and tried to have that procedure done. It just wouldn't happen, I think. And I just have to wait until I hit menopause. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. When it doesn't matter anymore. You're like, great. Thank you. (laughs) Especially because like I... I'm not married. I don't know if I'll ever get married. It's not a priority for me. And yeah, like if if they were like, you'll ha- you just have to submit a permission slip <laughs> from your husband, especially because like I'm already child free. I don't have a husband. Like yeah, they would just not do no, it. No, they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Which should be against the law because. <laughs> Right. (laughs) But it's not because we care more about the power and control that men have over our bodies than Mm -hmm. the control we have over our bodies. So that's awesome. And I mean, when you were talking to on your episode with the man and the woman who had their sterilization procedures, the difference Mm -hmm. is it's eye opening. My husband, he had a vasectomy and no lie. It was like he walked into the office. He said, I want a vasectomy. And the doctor was like, when do you want to do this next week? Yeah. And, I, you know, he came back and I'm just like, what, what, what? Because the difference between so many women's or people with uteruses experience 
compared to men, and now I'm not saying every man has an easy experience, but it seems to me from the conversations that I've had, the messages that I get, there mm -hmm. is an, a real double standard here with how we treat men and women for this procedure. And what you shared on your podcast with both of those experiences was exactly the same. Is that Did you find that really shocking? I didn't find it shocking because it's exactly what I expect because yeah. of all the other double <laughs> standards when it comes to gender <laughs> that yeah, we face. Yeah. I, it doesn't make it any less frustrating, but it wasn't surprising. But that double standard doesn't even make sense. I mean, in theory, if people are interested in families having children, then you would think that like doctors would also say, hey, come on now, Sonny. Don't right. you want to be a father? Don't you want right. to have kids? But <laughs> mm. for whatever reason, they don't do that. It's a lot of things. One of them is that there's a just intense distrust of people with uteruses mm -hmm. not knowing themselves and just assuming that we're going to change our minds and we're fickle and we don't know ourselves and we can't make decisions or something like yeah. that. So I found that to be true a lot. People just assume that I I don't know myself very well. Yeah. It's the idea that we are perceived as nothing more than baby-making vessels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. <laughs> that like all measures need to be taken to make sure that that stays true for us. And again, mm -hmm. I want to be perfectly clear that anyone who that is what they want to do, who does want to be a mother, does want to be a parent and care for children, that is absolutely incredible. We need you to perpetuate this species. <laughs> Otherwise, the human race would die out. So thank you for doing that. But it's all about having the choice and having the autonomy to make those choices. And yeah. so much of this situation denies people with uteruses the ability to make that choice and have that autonomy. And I also, I resent the expectation that because I have a uterus, I have to give birth, be a mother and, and raise yes. children. So that's, that's the part that I resent, the expectation, the denial of my choice and freedom that I experienced for so long. Again, I did finally find a surgeon, shout out Dr. Flores. Woo-woo! <laughs> <laughs> Woo-woo! Uh, feminist icon. And it's been, again, about a year now that I have been sterile. And it was such a, a sigh of relief that I was mm. able to breathe yes. afterward. God, I bet. What has that decision, you know, what has it done for your life? I mean, the practical side is that, yeah, we don't have to have birth control and, and things that can sometimes cause horrible side effects. And, you know, birth control is not perfect. And I mm -hmm. also had my fair share of shitty birth control and hating it. And I mean, it's it's great though. Please don't take it away from us. Please, right. we'll have it. It's okay. But yeah, it's not perfect. But it doesn't work so, for everyone, right? No, so. it's frustrating when, you know, people, if we can't get sterilization procedures like tubal ligations when other things don't work for us that people don't even take that into consideration doctors don't even realize like the effects that we can have with birth control and actually a sterilization procedure can be one of our only options for maintaining our reproductive health and things like that but mm -hmm. really it's just completely ignored and I mean I have these conversations with women as well who you know, want hysterectomies. And, and I, I was also wanting a hysterectomy when I had fibroids. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it didn't matter that I said I didn't want children. It did not matter that I was living in pain and doctors, they did not care that I said I didn't want children. They wanted to maintain my fertility over everything, over Ugh. my quality of life. And it's really frustrating to have medical professionals choose that route over what we are saying and what we want. <sighs> <laughs> it's so frustrating <sighs> because you would think as doctors, our health and well-being would yeah. be their top priority. Yeah. But it's not. It's fertility. And that's so yeah. rude. Yes. <laughs> so yes. actually, as of like five or six days ago, I went back on the pill, even though I don't right. need the hormones to make mm -hmm. me not ovulate. 
but I have such painful periods that I, because I also wanted a hysterectomy and I know that I will almost certainly need one at some point because every woman on my mom's side of my family at least has needed one because they had severe endometriosis and I've never been officially diagnosed with it, but I have to assume that I probably have it based Mm -hmm. on my family history and based on the fact that I have awful, awful, painful periods. So I was like, can you just take it all, just get it all out of there. I (laughs) don't need it. it. I don't want it. Right. And I was met with the same thing, like, oh, in, you, we won't do that unless it's medically necessary. I'm like, well, it is yeah. medically necessary because mm-hmm. my like I'm in pain. And they're like, mm, let's not. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. Sign me up for the tubal yeah. and then I'll just try again in a few years. So yeah. I'm now back yeah. on the pill to alleviate my painful periods, but... I don't want to be. I don't need to be. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah, that is really frustrating. The only way I got my hysterectomy was because it became an emergency. So my mm. gynecologist also refused me. She just shut me down. I said, you know, I've done my research. And actually for fibroids, a hysterectomy is a better option if I don't want children because the other operation will, it removes the fibroids from my uterus wall, but this is more invasive And the fibroids, Mm. chances are they will come back in a few years. So I'm like, why would we do this more invasive, dumber operation (laughs) when I absolutely know I don't want children? And she just was like, we're not going to talk about that. Just shut me down. Ah. And I'm like, well, at least tell me why you don't think I should have it because I'm just in the dark now. So I only was able to get that operation because of the way she treated me, I left there kind of feeling really dejected and I was going to get a second opinion. But in the Mm -hmm. space of that month, it became an emergency. I started bleeding uncontrollably (gasps) and I had to like be rushed to the hospital. And I was very lucky that the surgeon, she was, she just asked me one question, do you want children? And I said, no. And she's like, right, well, then a hysterectomy would be the best option for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hallelujah. I shouldn't have had to have put in this situation. So, and but you're right. I mean, trying to get his, a hysterectomy is, it's like the hardest. If a tubal ligation is hard, multiply mm-hmm. it by 100 because for some <laughs> reason, <laughs> so it's, yeah, doctors do not want to do that. And if you're below the age of 30, well, I was 36. So if you're below the age of 36, I think it's really, really difficult, which mm-hmm. it's it's maddening when ultimately... We know these procedures, some have positives and negatives, and we can weigh up the options with a doctor's help. You know, tell us, help us make these informed decisions. Don't dismiss us. Don't shut us down. And for you, having to live with painful periods and and so many people out there, they are going through exactly the same thing. And they're Mm -hmm. not able to get a treatment that actually could change their life because, yeah, painful periods and endometriosis is no joke. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, it uh, ruins my life for like three days a month. (laughs) I can't do anything. Horrendous. Horrendous. Yeah. In your case, the fact that it took a medical emergency where you're like bleeding out for anyone to take you seriously, it it didn't need to get to that point because if the first doctor had just been like, yep, let's do the hysterectomy, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have had to Mm -hmm. have an emergency. Mm -hmm. So after that operation, I went back to her, the gynecologist for my checkup and I went back and you know, I knew she didn't want me to have this operation. So when I Mm -hmm. went back and she was asking how everything was, and I uh, truly, I was like, I feel like a new woman. My life has changed now since this Mm -hmm. operation because I have no pain. My periods were also uh, ridiculously heavy and painful. um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like a new woman. And she scoffed. She kind of went, and and kind of did a funny, like, (sighs) what what are you talking about? And I was just like, I'm never coming back to you again. So I was like, I also did the thing where I wanted to say to her, but uh-huh. I, I said it with my eyes, like you said it in your Twitter thread, which made me laugh so hard. Yeah. So yeah, like I never went back to her after that because I was like, you know what? You don't actually care if I'm happy or not. You actually just have your opinion and that's all you care about. And you won't even talk to me like a human right now. So I don't get how doctors... And just healthcare professionals in general, and again, not all of them, but so many of them, I would say the vast majority 
My sister's a doctor, so I'm I'm sorry, Faye, but no, there are some amazing mm-hmm. doctors and gynecologists, absolutely for but, sure. Sa- but sadly, there you have to sometimes deal with people who have these biases, and you know, and that can really affect your life. And it's completely unfair, and it just shouldn't be acceptable. Like we, I don't know why there hasn't been. <laughs> Mm-hmm. measures mm-hmm. against this what's the, my alter yeah. like i'm like i'm not gonna go to the doctor i'm gonna let myself die because i refuse <laughs> to go to a, a doctor who treats me poorly there's it's it's tricky i don't know it just ah oh, gosh yes, i wish there was like different training in medical school where yes these doctors who harbor these biases like unlearn those biases because yeah. it, it extends so far beyond just like people mm-hmm. seeking to be sterilized when it comes to race, when it comes to class, when it comes to trans people, non-binary people, intersex Mm -hmm. people, ability, disability, mental illness, things that you think doctors would have the best understanding of more so than anyone else. They still treat marginalized people so poorly. And again, I'm using broad terms here. I'm, I'm making generalizations. But I would say the vast majority of of doctors I've seen treat people this way. And it's like, gotta be stopped. (laughs) Please, please. (laughs) I mean, I think you're right. I think it's slowly getting better. I had a doctor, Mm -hmm. he messaged me on Instagram and he was saying, you know, I promise you there are, I am going to do everything I can to make sure people can get these operations if they need them. He was like, I'm a feminist. I want to help. I want to help you. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, that's awesome. So I hope that the training, there is more current training, which can help people. Things mm-hmm. like endometriosis, we know that. I mean, it takes on average 10 years, is it, to diagnose? Yeah. And we need these, we need our diseases to have more funding, to have more awareness mm-hmm. and doctors to know the symptoms that we're facing and painful periods. So many of us, we don't even know what's normal because we're just told being a a woman or a person with a uterus is living in pain. We're just told it's normal to have pain every month. You're going to be in pain. (laughs) But actually that really can fuck us up because if we don't understand what is normal in you know mm-hmm. quotes pain right what is abnormal pain and for you yes i mean and with endometriosis it's it's shocking how long it can take to get diagnosis for our diseases yeah i wonder if it'll ever happen at this point for me because i guess they need to like yeah. go inside make an incision yes. and like check yes. and like so many so few people are willing to do it because they're like well you know the pain probably isn't that bad we don't need to cut you open <laughs> to figure this out and it's like I throw up every month because oh. I'm in such horrible pain. Yeah. Can Gosh. we do something about this? <laughs> Please. Yes. Yeah, like have some yeah. birth control pills. I'm like, okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's incredibly frustrating. And you know, you're not alone, Caitlin, in that. Like I have a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of people DM me who are in the same struggle. So I hope I hope I see more awareness of endometriosis, especially, but it's it sucks that we need to we need to advocate for ourselves. We need to mm. make as much noise as we can about issues that we're facing. And yeah. getting tubal ligations is one huge issue that I just think no one has any idea, or maybe they do and they don't care, but that we are denied these procedures again and mm-hmm. again just because we're a woman, because we apparently don't know our, our own minds, things <laughs> like that. So I hope getting yeah. stories out there, you know, our stories out there can help mm-hmm. and but it's like we need a huge shift. You know, we see, especially in the US, you know, we see our reproductive rights for women and people with uteruses are going, oh my going backwards. I mean, are they coming for the birth control next? <laughs> like, it's Honestly, scary. it wouldn't surprise me. I yeah. mean, all of these bills being introduced that are denying people access to abortions is yeah. like something we're still dealing with in this century. And at the very least, it's just an obsession with patriarchal standards and rigid gender roles and wanting to put people with uteruses in a box and that box being the just expectation that if you have a uterus you must use it to have 
whatever, 2.1 children or whatever right. like the American dream <laughs> average is. And yeah, it's just... Sorry, I normally don't get so frustrated and worked up on a podcast, but I'm just like... <laughs> no, uh, this is the place to do thinking, it. <laughs> just like thinking about this stuff and talking about it just like boils mm-hmm. my blood. Mm-hmm. Same for me. Like it's, <laughs> it's infuriating to hear. I'm like you, I've been lucky with my family who've been supportive of my decision. You know, there's been a, mm-hmm. a few little things here and there, little comments, especially when my, my sister had a, a baby. And I think because I, I was good with him, you know, because I, I, I have no problem playing with kids. And, and I think that made it more confusing for my family. They were kind of just like, but you're, you're good with them. Why, why don't you want to do this? Uh-huh. You're good with it. And I'm like, I don't know if you, if you understand, but you could be good at something. You could even like something, but also not want to do it full time. So I've been, <laughs> yeah, a few little comments with that, but I've been relatively lucky. But when I, when I hear from other women and gender diverse people out there, their experiences truly, it boils my blood as well. And these can be people in, so-called progressive countries then they can be in countries where gender roles are even stricter where religion plays an even bigger part and it's kind of i hope we are getting better but it still blows my mind that i can talk to someone who is in their 30s or even in their 20s and they still face the same issues that our generation faces and the generation Mm -hmm. before us faced I, i don't know if you have many friends around you who are similar uh, in feeling to you about children, whether you know many child-free people or if your experiences are that you are the only person that was in your friendship group. I don't know a single person with a kid. (laughs) That's that's not true. But of my immediate (laughs) friends, like my very close friends, of which I have... (laughs) so many you know so so popular popular. I'm so extremely popular and well liked and I have so many friends no but like of my and everyone's about my age a few of my friends are are a bit younger but everyone who's like late 20s into their 30s even friends in my 40s I I think I I just gravitate toward people who are also child-free and some of my friends like have said they do want kids eventually or that they're very open to the possibility but at this point none of them have kids yet and then I have a few friends who do have children and we just don't really hang out that much because we don't (laughs) yeah I don't know how to conduct myself around a baby I'm not (laughs) good with kids I don't know how to talk to them I don't know how to hold a a baby all this stuff that you're you're people telling you that oh but you'd be so good with kids you'd you'd be such a good mother you're good with kids I've had a lot of people tell me that too based on the fact that I am responsible and organized right because I kind of assume like if I've had roommates or like in a friend group scenario I'm often like the planner Right. I reach out to, to people to organize plans or like I'll handle the like all the bills will be in my name and then my roommates can <laughs> Venmo me, whatever, stuff like that. So because of that, they're like, oh, you, you'd be such a good parent and you're understanding and compassionate. And I'm like, thank you so much again for all the compliments <laughs> from all of my friends. I don't like kids and I don't want kids. And that would actually make me a very bad parent. And that's something that so many people cannot comprehend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like we're doing the world a favor by doing what's right for us and a Mm -hmm. possible other human. I mean, it is kind of weird that we would even encourage people to have children that they may not want or may not be good at that role. I mean, being a parent is, mm-hmm. uh, it's a difficult, it's a difficult role. Maybe one of the, the most difficult. So, so hard, which so, is one of the reasons I don't want to do it. <laughs> right, right. So like, let's, let's just encourage the people who want to have children to go for it. And anyone who is on the fence, let's not push them to do anything where it may negatively affect not only their life, but the life of a child. How have we not gotten to that point yet? There are so many people who maybe I think just like came up in a generation where that expectation was so heavily ingrained in them and they didn't even consider the option of not having children because it was just like, 
so much that rigid expectation that they had kids anyway, and then they were bad parents. Right. And then they fucked up their kids. I think we should do way more to normalize allowing people who don't want to have children to not have children. Because if they have kids and they don't want them, they will absolutely fuck up their kids irreversibly. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it's pretty simple, really, when you think about it. It's not that complicated to, to make the head of tails of. It makes complete mm-hmm. sense that the people who want to do this, they've got a much better chance of doing it successfully and right. that's what we that's what we need for a good healthy society is people to be just happy we get thrown all of these words at us like we you know we're selfish and i don't know if anyone has ever told you as a childhood person that you're selfish or you're career obsessed or we, we have lots of these so negative things much. yeah mm-hmm. and who is coming up with these words and what i mean especially <laughs> in in the media i mean which you know, your amazing podcast, which I'll absolutely be sharing in the show notes, the Bechdel cast, which is this amazing scale or um, test basically by yeah. this person called, what was her first name? Alison Bech- Bechdel. Alison Bechtel, that's it. And whether, well, you, actually, I would love to hear you describe the Bechtel Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is my job, so I am right? happy to do it. So yeah, the Bechtel test is a media test, media metric that you apply to really anything with a narrative. And it requires the most kind of like basic familiar form of it, because like we use a slightly different one on the podcast, but the most familiar version is two women have to talk to each other in a movie, for example, about something other than a man. And the reason this test was conceived is that if you, you'll you notice that a mm-hmm. lot of, again, using movies as an example, it's rare for there to be more than one woman in a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there is more than one woman, chances are they don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And if they do talk to each other, chances are they talk about the male hero or some other man in the story. So it's just a test to kind of, and we use it as just a jumping off point to initiate a larger conversation about inclusivity and feminism and intersectionality when it comes to media analysis and and film analysis. But it's just a, a way to very kind of peripherally examine, are women in a movie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do women exist in the world of this story? And sadly, oh. often barely or not at all. Yeah. So yeah, that is the Bechdel test in a nutshell. I mean, it's it, it's an incredible podcast because, yeah, I think it, it really opens your eyes to how our media culture, how it conditions us, how mm-hmm. it informs us, how it maintains those strict gender roles. And, you know, when I think about child-free people represented in the media, I mean, mostly they're always depicted negatively. You know, I, th- I can think of, you know, I don't know if you have any examples. I can think of like Samantha from Sex and the City, who is, she's sex obsessed and she hates children. And which, I mean, whenever I, whenever I say that, I always want to make sure that it's okay if if you don't like children, I, I always want to be clear that it's absolutely fine. Anyone should be allowed to not like children <laughs> Because that's another thing that we're told as child-free people, like we have to be okay with having children around us all the time. And it's like, well, no, actually it should be okay. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, I'm trying to think, can you think of any other child-free, you know, any other role models out there in the media? (laughs) It's a hard one. None that like, yeah, I mean. Right? It's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Out of all the films... All the TV shows, I I struggle to think of positive examples of people mm-hmm. without children. There was, I just remember, there was a film with Chelsea Peretti called Spinster, which mm. maybe that was last year or the year before. And that was the only one where it was really discussing this topic of right. us not choosing. And that's it, literally, that's it. Yeah, I can't think of any examples of like characters, like female characters who are outspoken about not wanting to have children. If a character like is a woman or a person with a uterus that doesn't have children, it just like doesn't come up because it's not part of that narrative. But as far as any characters who are like, yeah, I don't have children and I'm completely fine with that and I never want them and that's great and that's how I want to live my life. There are very few examples of like that type of role model character to that, like that just general representation of like child-free characters that you do see in media. 
who have female bodies, it's often like a scary old witch. Right. It's <laughs> like going to murder you. Right. So um, that's awesome. This, this comes up every once in a while on the Bechtel cast where if any episode where like a character gets pregnant and then has to decide, do I want to keep the baby or not? Right. Cause there's a handful of movies like that, such as Juno, Knocked up, obvious child, unpregnant. I have not seen. Sometimes, may maybe never, always. That's not yeah, the title. Yeah. I know <laughs> what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. We'll that... put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is the order of those words? Uh, <laughs> it's those words it's or something close to those words. Yeah, yeah I just have yeah. the wrong order. Anyway, I have not seen that movie, but it's my understanding that it's also about that. The the movies that are from like maybe ten years ago, they have these like really kind of pro-life agendas mm -hmm. where it's like oh my gosh I'm pregnant and maybe I would consider an abortion but oh my gosh no never mind I have to have this baby and it's like why you as a character have absolutely no considering your specific circumstances yeah it is not in your interest to actually have this baby and you seem like right. you don't want it at all so why are you going through with the pregnancy and the birth it's only been in kind of more recent years that where like women are even allowed to have abortions in movies. And it's like, right. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess that is mm -hmm. helpful representation to see, but it's, it's bleak out there. Someone just sent me last week a advert. I can't remember who, who it was, but it was the only pregnancy advert that I'd, I've seen where the result was, it was negative and the person was happy. You know, they were like, um, mm -hmm. they were like, yay. Okay. I'm, I'm not pregnant, excited. And yeah, we just so often see the happy I'm it's positive. Yes. I'm having a baby. And, and there's a whole other side there that, you know, we actually have people who are really excited that they weren't pregnant. Oh, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, that's one thing. Something <laughs> even more harmful. I feel like happens a lot where a character is pregnant and they're unhappy about it. But then yeah. they have the baby anyway, oh, yeah. which telegraphs yeah. to audiences, basically, you don't have a choice. Even yeah. if you're unhappy about this and you don't want to have this baby, sorry, you still got to have it because abortion is evil or whatever. Like, that's such oh, a disgusting, harmful <sighs> yeah. message yes. to communicate to people, but yeah. it happens yeah. so often. It does. Everything that's happening in, in America right now with, you know, abortion rights being taken away in some states and it's scary. And yeah, mm -hmm. it, it feels like, yeah, are we are we going backwards? And we, we need to protect these rights at all costs because, you know, if yeah. it's it's abortion now, maybe it is birth control next. And, and, and people we can people can think it's a joke. But when we know that there are there are people in countries that they don't even own their own bodies. You know, I think the UN mm -hmm. put out a study last year, which was like 55% of women in developing countries. Technically, they don't own their own body. They, they, they're not able to make decisions about their own bodies, mm -hmm. which is truly harrowing. And, and, yeah. and then we, we add on that, we have our rights being rolled back. Mm -hmm. It's really disappointing and, and scary. And, we have to keep fighting. We have to keep absolutely keep fighting for it for this. Truly. Shout out to the movie Portrait of a Lady on Fire, where yes. these like seventeenth or like eighteenth century the the maid, I think Sophie is her name, she's like, I'm pregnant, I don't wanna be and they're like, Cool, let's take you to a coven. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> get you an eighteenth century abortion. And that was great. Yes. And that also that subplot kind of has nothing to do with the rest of the movie right. but i it, it, it almost arguably could be feel it feels a little tacked on but i don't mind that it's there no. at all because it's like <laughs> we need more representation even if it's like yeah. in, like <laughs> olden days women yeah having an abortion because that stuff did happen and everyone likes to pretend like it didn't mm -hmm, but yeah, abortion will happen no matter what you do. It's just whether it's going to be legal and safe for people. And we know that there'll be, if you take away the rights, we know the people who want abortions, notably the, you know, the rich white folks, they'll be getting, mm -hmm. they'll be getting abortions no matter what. But it's right. like we were talking earlier, it's marginalized people are the ones most affected by these draconian laws. And, mm -hmm. and we need to, yeah, keep making as much 
noise and fighting for everyone's rights. Because ultimately, if yeah, if one of us isn't able to access the healthcare that they need, none of us really have it. That's really what we need to keep in mind. Like just because I'm sterilized now and I've, it's great that I can live my best child-free life, but we know there's so many people out there who don't have that privilege and their lives are are affected horrendously because of of these kinds of laws absolutely so yes we yeah we have to we have to you know end on a positive though. yes so tell me like what having this procedure you know how how has your life changed you talked a bit earlier about oh you know, yes you yeah. did ask me that question and i don't think i ever came close to answering it well so. this is the perfect time <laughs> this is the perfect time it has affected my life in the sense that i again feel that i just like that relief of not having to worry about getting pregnant. So I just wanted to eliminate any possibilities of like me having to deal with a pregnancy. So it's just, it's so much relief. It's just like such a weight off my shoulders. I'm out there having awesome raw dog sex all the time now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm kidding because I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still practicing safe sex Cold with skin. the <laughs> random dudes that I meet from Bumble or whatever. But, but you know, every once in a while, it's like, oh, I'm like kind of dating someone. Yeah, We can let our guard down a little bit as long as we're safe and, and tested and making sure we're STI free, etc. Yeah. And yeah, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Very, She's out very there raw cool. dogging. Very, very cool. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's honestly mostly the just like sense of relief I yeah. feel, and like yeah. also it's just so validating now to have to have been able to get this procedure because I can go back to all those people who doubted me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But if I wanted to, I could. <laughs> you could. All those yeah. people who like, oh, you'll change your mind. Oh, you just need to meet the right partner, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that was never the case. And now yeah. I feel super validated because I can be like, I have like proof now yeah. <laughs> that yeah. this was my choice <laughs> and this was my feeling all along. So... Well, we have to actually then talk a little bit about your dating experiences then. I mean, have they, how do you just, yeah, you got to tell me, you know, (laughs) on your thread, you talked a bit about the dating experiences before and obviously some of those assholes. Has it changed now? Do do you tell people straight away, you're child free and I'm sterilized, let's roll dog, yeah. Or... (laughs) I say it on the first date. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to raw dog later, right? <laughs> so yeah, r- run me through. How do, how do you approach dating? So I often do bring up on the first date, if I haven't even mentioned it before in like our whatever, like messaging our text exchange, that I don't want children and that I've been sterilized because that honestly is a deal breaker for a lot of people, especially because I was, I was kind of conditioned to think just growing up, especially in the area that I grew up, that if you're a, a, a woman or if you've got a female body, you are baby crazy. You're you're just mm. going to have babies and you're going to basically just have to like find a guy who's like willing to put up with your bullshit and convince him that he, he should be a father with like whatever, like you should have a, but it's going to take so much like convincing about all this stuff. And I was like, this, this sounds like a nightmare. Why is anyone doing mm-hmm. this? So I was just kind of like conditioned to think that no man actually wants to be a father and he just kind of does it reluctantly. But I just like kind of had that mindset for the longest time. And then I got in out into the world and like lived, started living my adult life. And I met all these men who were like, I want to have kids so much. I can't wait to be a dad. And I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> what? I was so Whoa. baffled by it. But it turns out this is a thing yeah. that I didn't know about. Right. But So it is a deal breaker for a lot of people, not necessarily people that I've like seriously dated. Because again, I, I tend to be drawn toward people who are also child free and want to remain that way. But there are yeah. a few people who are like, no, I I want to have kids. And I'm like, okay, well... I don't, so we should probably just, <laughs> we can have so, a little yeah. bit of fun, but like we might as well part yeah. ways pretty soon. But yeah, I, I'm very forthcoming about it. I, I bring it up right away. I've had, it's not so much these days that people say, oh, you're going to change your mind because they're like, N- because I've gotten that procedure and yeah. it shouldn't take, to be clear about that too, it shouldn't take me having the procedure to convince anyone that this is my no. thing, but it does help. 
Yeah. So anyway, so I tell, I tell people I've gotten sterilized and I've gotten got, like men being like, because unfortunately I'm so heterosexual and it's the worst <laughs> thing in the world, <laughs> but, but I can't help it. But a lot of men have like, they've like given me a high five. They're like, hell yeah. Oh, Go wow. girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I've had like a, a, a lot of people congratulate me and, and okay, say like awesome yeah. and so that's been encouraging and that's cool. yeah it is very nice and yeah it's it's been a, a fairly positive experience in that regard dating dating men otherwise is an absolute nightmare and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody <laughs> but yeah <laughs> bit, bit of a cesspool yeah but I've had more people be supportive yeah I think you're right though you you kind of have to like put it out there as soon as possible. I mean, we get a lot of people messaging about dating, about then are they going to be alone forever? Ever going to find someone? Should they hide it? Should they not? And ultimately, I mean, you have to be honest with people because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you don't put it out there, so what, you're just going to have children and you'll be, then you'll be unhappy. So right. you may as well save your time, save the other person's time and be honest about who you are and what you want. But there, there is obviously, we are we are told that you'll have a lonely, sad, unfulfilling life if you're a child-free woman. You'll, you know, mm-hmm. you'll have regrets. And we're just told this. So I think that narrative sadly permeates and it makes people feel scared about the future. And I mean, I feel so positive about my future as a child-free person. And how do you feel about yours? I feel absolutely amazing. I I have no shred of regret. Again, all I feel is like relief and validation. I don't know if I'll end up with a partner ever, but it's not because of that. I think it's just yeah. because I have a lot of emotional availability issues. <laughs> right, right. I have a whole slew of other issues that might uh, prevent me from finding like a, a partner and like meaningful companionship. But I don't think that has anything to do with my child-free life path. Yeah. I think that it just is, I need to go to more therapy. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? But yeah, of, of the people I've dated casually here and there, it was all... Other people who didn't don't want to have kids or aren't really thinking about it or it's like not a priority at all. Or if like maybe they would if they were with a partner who did, but it wouldn't be a problem if they were with a partner who didn't want kids. Like it's, yeah. I feel like a lot of people can kind of go either way. But yeah, that hasn't been a roadblock for me and I don't really anticipate that. Because like yes. that's the thing you, you were talking about being very upfront about it and honest because I've known of marriages to break up because one person really wanted kids and the other one didn't right and it just me so it's like you got to figure that stuff out before you're married (laughs) yes absolutely save yourself the time yeah yeah so that's why yeah I'm just extremely upfront about it and it's been great I feel great about my future I feel great about my life the end (laughs) but this is like we need to just hear we need to see and hear more role models and just more examples of you know women just living their lives for for themselves and and Mm -hmm. like you said like whether you have a partner or not I mean that's another thing that we're told that you must have a partner you must be married you must you know single people oh my god no how depressing and and actually I'm like what is sad and depressing is you telling women that they can't be independent and and actually I wish we celebrated singledom more because I think it's bloody incredible so that anyone gets on in their life pays their own bills does all of their own cleaning washing whatever you know like I think it's it's something that we should applaud people for not diminish their lives as sad and and it's like no fuck that no I have a fulfilling life. I have great friends. I yeah, I casually date and that satisfies yeah, certain needs. Yes, yes, <laughs> little, little saucy needs. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, for for now I'm very content with how my life is going. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So then if you could give any advice to anyone who is maybe they also would like a tuba ligation. Um I mean yeah, is there any any advice that you would give to anyone who might be thinking about doing this? Yeah, I would say if you're seriously considering it and you know that that's the right choice for you 
And because for me, there were there was a huge chunk of years where I just stopped trying because I got so discouraged. And yeah. I was like, fine, I'll just be on this birth control that's like making me have no sex drive, which is also part yeah. of why I was like, I need to make up for lost time right now. Right. I got to go out there and raw dog go, go. all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I just gave up for a while and I just got so discouraged because it is very discouraging. But my advice would be if you're considering it seriously and you just haven't done it because there are all of these hurdles it is possible to you just have to find the right doctor find the right surgeon you know it's and it it's like a full-time job almost but yeah it's worth the effort and don't give up don't lose hope just keep trying and you'll find You'll even if you just even if you have to go to a different city or like, yeah, go to a different country, even like it shouldn't have to be that way. And it is so incredibly frustrating that we have to jump through all of these hoops to achieve bodily autonomy. But Mm -hmm. the relief you will feel when it's over is worth the unfortunate effort that you have to put in. Mm -hmm. Thank you, though, Caitlin, for sharing. All of your experiences. I mean, I I am a huge fan of your work and I just appreciate your honesty and openness. And yeah, you are helping so many people by being someone who is just out there talking about it. That Twitter thread, it's shocking, I think, to a lot of people when they see the treatment that we face as as grown adults. Yeah. (laughs) And the things that people said to you and, and to many people in the We Are Childhood community have been incredibly hurtful and i hope mm-hmm. i hope we can we can change it at least more stories out there more more shouting about this but yeah, yeah absolutely but thank you so much for giving me some of your your valuable time i do appreciate it absolutely happy to be here happy to chat we are child free is hosted by me zoe noble and produced by james glazebrook and anna gunn This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of the We Are Child Free community, the most empowering child-free space on the internet. To find out how to join our global community and support our mission of changing child-free lives, head to wearechildfree.com. Speak soon, lovelies.